The nail in the coffin! Welcome to the Nail in the Coffin, a rare second episode of the week here as we record on Thursday night. Trev, I think this is going to be a little bit more fun than talking about Kyrie getting traded like we did on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah it couldn't be much worse, really. We were, <laughs> we were a little down in the dumps. We were. Only one way to go, and that's up, though. So uh, I'm feeling good about tonight. How about you? Yeah, very good. Excellent. So, hey, high school football kicking off on Friday night. And to help us get ready for the season, we've got the man behind Varsity Chalk Talk, our old pal, Bill Tilton. Uh, Heater, welcome to The Nail, and thanks for joining us. Oh, guys, I really appreciate it. Love your stuff, and um, I'm very honored to be on. How's it going? Not too bad. Uh, you are at the Hooli House tonight? I am. I'm just doing some, you know... Um, middle of the week stuff, kind of preparing for tomorrow night. Uh, well, they're actually kicking off tonight in a few different places and uh, just getting things ready and just doing some uh, clerical stuff, which would be boring for your audience, so we won't get into that. But, yeah, I'm I'm here. I'm at, at the home base in Menor and uh, uh, really excited to be on with you guys. I was going to say, that's kind of the uh, the home office away from home for you at, uh, with everything you got going on with Chalk Talk. So, you know, we got all sorts of stuff we want to ask you about with the football season. But before we get into that, I did want to ask you a little bit uh, about what you're doing now, because like several of the other guests we've had on over the last couple of years, we've been doing this. um, We know you through the News Herald, but uh, the one difference with you is um, you actually kind of went out and started your own venture, whereas a lot of us uh, other guys went over to other media companies. so tell, for everybody that is not familiar, tell everybody what you're doing now and, and what Varsity Chalk Talk is. Well, so what I do is media relations, sports information. I work with uh, six different football teams, uh, area schools. Uh, I work with VASJ, Mentor, East Lake North, Willoughby South, Twinsburg, and Gilmore Academy. And I do, um, uh, like, you know, game notes packages. Like if you went to a college game, they, they have the pregame package that you get. Or if you went to, well, I'm not going to compare what I do to the pro stuff. or But it's kind of in that vein. Um, and then, obviously, the show, which used to be on um, KNR uh, 2 and uh, ESPN Cleveland has been a big boost. Uh, we, we've kind of gone a different way to do some podcasts to give some people different ve- venues and different ways of – picking the show up so now you can hear it and it's it's not you don't you're not beholden to just being in your car or at your radio from seven to nine so we do that and Huey House has a, a locations in Mentor, um, Brooklyn, Westlake they have one in Montrose we're not doing it in Montrose but I do it the other three nights or excuse me the other three locations we do Mentor on Monday and then we do Tuesdays in Brooklyn and Westlake so basically I'm just really really busy in the football season and uh uh, thrilled to be doing it. It's it's a lot of fun. It's what I've liked to do for 18 years. So um, I got lucky that, you know, I kind of caught this and didn't have to go to another medium, like you said. So just really excited to have Varsity Chalk Talk still cranking away in 2017. So yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. When, when you started forming the idea for this in your mind, um, is this what you've built it to today? Is this kind of what you always hoped it would be? Or is this kind of taking on a life of its own even? Uh, it's a great question, Tom. I, I'll say this. It's it's a little bit bigger than I thought it would be, um, which is not banging my chest. I, you know, to be honest, the way it started, I, I don't know if anybody cares about the genesis of it, but I'll just answer it this way. You know, we, when I was at the News Herald, 
it was, well, we have to talk to coaches, and then it started going towards the digital. And so it was like, well, they want to put around a podcast and listen to people do it. So we said, hey, instead of doing it in the back office, why don't we come up, do it in a place where we can host other people, host players, host coaches, families can watch it. And people have really grasped onto it. And like I said, seven, eight years later, I, I did not think it would grow into a radio show, a full-blown podcast. Having, I mean, we had a one last Monday where you couldn't park, you couldn't get a, you know, a seat in the place, um, tickets in the window for people ordering food. It's just, it's become like an event, like a Monday night. It's like, hey, we're going to go do Chalk Talk at Hooli, and, and it, it's just a lot of fun. And again, I am not here, fellas, to tell you, I haven't, listen, I haven't reinvented the wheel. I mean, all I'm doing is talking and, and, and interviewing kids and coaches about high school football, but I'll be honest with you, um, it's it's really fun, and it has gone a little bit bigger than I thought, and, and I couldn't be happier about it. So, Bill, do you like – would you say you sort of – it sounds like you might be sort of like a lean, like light version of maybe like an SID would be or, you know, sort of taking some of that stuff that a lot of schools, quite honestly, probably need to have like an AD do or someone do that, quite frankly, doesn't really have the time to do it. Um, no, is that sort of what it is? No, it's not sort of. It's it's a, actually a better description than I could have given you. It's absolutely what it is. I remember going to the Mentor AD and just saying, you guys are such a big school, a big program. It would be nice if I didn't every time I needed details or every time I needed a stat or every time I needed such and such, can we just, don't you have this information? Um, and that was where the whole genesis came from. It wasn't any disgruntled, I got to get out of the paper. It wasn't, uh, hey, I, you know, I'm a charity case. I really need you to you know, pay me to do such and such. It was just more of a, boy, it would really be nice if I went on a Friday or during the week and I'm looking for you know, some information. Can, can I just have it all in one place? Can I have somebody who can get me you know, the history of the rivalry or somebody who can get me updated stats or something, somebody can get me a, you know, what happened last week. So, um, you know, your question is tremendous. And, and in the way you described it, to be honest, is better than anything I can tell you, which is exact. That's exactly what it was. The lean was just, man, I wish all these schools had SIDs. Is that realistic? No, not every school can afford that. So this is why I work with six instead of 56. Um, but it, it, the way it's turned out, the six schools that are willing to do it, um, and then there's some options where, you know, obviously, hopefully it doesn't cost them money. You know, they can, you know, there's some advertising options with the game notes and different things, which I won't bore everybody with. But the whole point is, like, I want it to be fluid. Fellas, the way I'll explain it is this. If you go to a game on a Friday night and you pay $3 for a program or $5 for a program, it has the rosters in it and some pictures and yada, yada. But then that's it. That program, there's no reason to buy it the next week or the next home game. This is a fluid, ever-changing, it's updates. It's like kind of like a mini newspaper or a mini website. Like every week it's going to change and it's going to have, you know, weekly things that will, you know, hopefully entice the reader, entice the person, you know, paying for it, you know, that they'll want to do it again. So that's kind of where we're at with it. And you bring this into the basketball season as well when, when the winter rolls around. Yes. Yeah. In basketball now, I, I usually, well, not usually, we, we work with VASJ and Mentor, um, which is fine. You know, I'd, I'd like to expand it. I think East Lake North is interested this year, but right now it's just those two. Um, and I, I, I'll tell you guys, the, the ironic story about that is, so the very first year I ever did uh, basketball, both VSJ and Mentor won the state title. 
So I, of course, went to both ADs and both coaches. They can never leave you after that. (laughs) There's got to be something to this. So you're going to have to hang on to me for a little while. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, we we do do it in basketball. And and chalk talk in basketball isn't nearly what it is in football. But you guys know this. Anybody out there listening knows high school football is king of the world in Northeast Ohio. You know, so with no offense to cross country or volleyball or soccer or, you know, going to the other seasons, wrestling, golf, uh, baseball, softball. In football, you can get 150, 200 people here, um, and it's just great. So I'd love to do it like that for all the sports, but it just works that way for football, and, and I'm thrilled to do it. And, and I am happy to be able to do some media services for the basketball teams too. Well, I'll put it to you this way. I ran cross-country for four years in high school, and we've never talked cross-country on this podcast, but there's been plenty of football talk, so uh, no offense taken on my part. But, uh, you, you you know your listeners, Tom. You know your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Got to follow the money, or, or real or imagined in our case, I guess. But uh, no uh, all right, let's get into the season. So uh, give us an idea here uh, on uh, the Northeast Ohio scene. Um, who are the teams? Who are the big programs? Who's going to be making noise this year? Well, you know, like I said, I have my six schools. That's been my concentration until somebody plays – um, you know, it's a little tough for me to kind of blanket it. Um, however, obviously, I have to have my eye on what else is going on. I think the usual suspects this year are going to be really top-heavy. I think you're looking at St. Ignatius, who lost uh, in, the, in the title game last year in overtime um, to St. X. I think you're looking at, you know, St. Edward with Tom Lombardo, who used to be the head coach at Lake Catholic. Uh, Akron Hoban, uh, who's always good, was a state champion. Uh, you, you know, Avon with Mike Elder and Mike Elder for the Lake County people listening to the podcast, you know, used to be at Perry High School. Um, you know, Menor is Menor, and they're going to be good. Chardon with, uh, you know, um, Mitch Hewitt, uh, you know, at the helm over there. Perry, I mentioned Perry before. Matt Rosati and Pirates have a tremendous quarterback in Colston Brewster. Um, so if you're looking more than just Lake County or more than just, say, the News Herald or, you know, that, that area – um, you know, if you go, if you expand it to like the Cleveland area, the Akron area, you know, that, that's, those are the kind of teams right now I would keep an eye on. But I think Ignatius and Ed's really are kind of top of the crop right now. This kid from Menor, this quarterback from Menor, um, he's what, he's a, is he just a sophomore or is he a junior this year? No, Tadis is a senior. Um, oh, is he he's senior? senior. No, I tell you why he seems young. It's not. It's not unfair what you ask. He's been playing for three years, which at Menor is rare. Um, he's a, he's passed for over two thousand yards a sophomore and his junior year. He's getting some looks. Robert Morris offered him, but he also got a preferred walk-on offer from Ohio State. Not a scholarship, but a preferred walk-on. Um, he's a really he's a talented kid. He's he, he's a he's a senior. Um, he's a big kid. He was always like the biggest kid. I remember seeing him like in the in the middle school, the junior high days, because my neighbor's kids played with him. So, um, you know, Tadis is a, is a big kid. He's not, you know, I wouldn't say he's a runner, the, the dual threat thing, you know, he's not like a Trubisky or he reminds me a little bit more of like a Bart Tansky. Um, he's taller, but he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's got a big arm. Um, so he's going to do some good things. That offense has a chance to be very, very potent this year. Uh, so, you know, Menor's going to score some points. We'll put it that way. I mean, that, that, that's all you need to know about the Cardinals is, you know, they got, they got some weapons, maybe not some kids that everybody knows their name, but believe me, they're, they're, they're going to be just fine. And the quarterback is where it starts. He's going to trigger it. When you're running that spread and that hurry up 
and let's go and let's get after it. And they got a tremendous offensive line. You know, Trivisano, Coach Trivisano told me it might be one of their best offensive lines they've ever had. That's saying a lot for a guy that's been there 20 years at that school and has had some D1 kids up front. So it's, um, it's, it's a really interesting team this year with them. But their schedule, you know, Tadis and, and the quarterback, you asked about the quarterback, he, he opens up at Maslin, home to Ignatius, home to Glenville. You're going to prove your chops as a senior quarterback and a leader. That that's a good way to go through the grind right off the rip. And I'm, I, I can remember reading about him, and it it seems like, um, and I'm not sure if the, if if he's gotten bigger since then, but he seemed to get a lot of run. Like, uh, I think as a sophomore, the first year he was starting, just because he didn't look like a sophomore, he was. I mean, he was a big kid then. You know, he he looked like he was already grown. Um, and, and it seems like. Every year, men are sort of a plug-and-play team where they got enough talent that you know they're going to score a lot of points. Um, sometimes the defense isn't great, but in general, you know they're one of the best teams. And a lot of that is, well, let's be honest, a lot of that is just that they got so many damn kids to pick from. No, I think that's fair. I don't, I don't think anybody even hides from that fact. Look, they have I don't a lot say, of yeah, I don't say that as a negative. It is what it is. They're, they're a well-run program. They manage that talent really well. Stolen. Hudson, uh, you know, I mean, I can start going through the list of, you know, schools that have a lot of kids. It doesn't always translate. Usually it does, because if you have, say, 1,800 boys to pick from, you're going to find 22 that can play. I mean, let's be honest. Um, But having said that, the man's record, Triv's record, is you can't argue with it. And I know people want to say, oh, he doesn't want a state title. Um, I, I won't you know, clog up your, your airwaves with that because I think that conversation, you got to remember who they're playing, who they're playing against. Um, but, yes, plug and play, well, I don't even know if that's a negative. It's just that's the system. They have a system. They run fast. or they, You know, they run a fast offense. They do the spread. You need your skill, guys. And Tadis is kind of the next in line because, boy, they have had some quarterbacks there. I mean, we don't have to go any further than the second pick of the draft, and he's, you know, now challenging to be the guy for the Bears. You know, they've had two. Think about this, folks. Uh, Guys, I mean, they've had two Mr. Footballs in the last 10 years. That doesn't happen. Not at Ignatius, not at Ed's, not at St. X, not, you know, Maslin, anywhere. Like, to have two guys – when Mr. Football at one school is pretty impressive. So, I mean, the idea, you know, that it's just easy because you have a lot of kids in the school, I, I don't necessarily subscribe to that theory. Uh, and I'm not saying you're promoting that, but, but yes, this kid, Tadis can play, and he's been big since his sophomore year, so the expectations grow. And when you play that position, the first thing anybody's going to say is, well, you're not Trubisky, or you're not Tansky, or you're not, you know, Flory, or you're not, you know, Connor Krasanchik, you're not this kid. So it, it heaps a lot of pressure on a kid, too, to be completely blunt. Um, and Tadis has handled it very well. He's a humble kid. He's talented. We'll just see, you know, you're going to have to see what he does his senior year. He He's going to need to perform this year to see what, you know, where he's going to go at the next level. Just to be clear, I mean, you had mentioned that Menor hasn't won the state championship. They've played in, what, three state title games since Triv's been there? Three. Yep, three of them. And two of them, Tivo, are all-timers. And yes. that's not up The one against Hilliard-Davidson was double overtime, and Hilliard-Davidson went for two and beat him. Otherwise, Menor wins a state title. The other one, Connor and the kid from uh, uh, the Cincinnati school, like, went into this 
unbelievable, ridiculous shootout, and it ended up being the most yards, most points, most this, this, and this in the history of the Division One title game. So they've gotten there. They got there in 06, 07, and I think 13. I, I hope I got my numbers right. Um, th- listen, th- they've been there. They challenge. Hell, when Trubisky was there, he didn't get to the state title game, but he – the, the, the two teams that he beat to get to the semifinals, how about having to beat Eds and Ignatius in back-to-back weeks? That's not those. Bad. Those I, were two all-timers. I, I remember watching those on TV. Yeah, I don't know many teams in Ohio that have done that. I mean, I, I like I said, I'm not going to try and sit here and, and, and spew things that aren't true. I don't know if any other team in Ohio has beaten Eds and Ignatius in back-to-back weeks in the state playoffs. I don't think that's happened. I really don't. All right, so that matter obviously is uh, one of the biggest fish in the state. Uh, local program that has had uh, also uh, tremendous amounts of success, but on uh, the small school side, Kirtland, are they uh, going to be in the mix again this year? Absolutely. I, listen, until Tiger Laverde leaves to take over the Browns or be president <laughs> of the United States or mayor of Kirtland, I mean, he, he's that guy, guys. I mean, he's – he has made that program into the elite of the elite at basically any level. Now, listen, am I saying that Kirtland could go beat San Ignatius or St. Ed's or Menor? No, that's silly. But at his level, getting guys from his little corner of Route 306 on the hill is as good as it gets anywhere in the state. And I get people want to talk about Coldwater. They want to talk about Maria Stein, Marion Local, and they want to talk about you know Magador, and they want to talk about this, this, and this. Kirtland's as good as they come. Now, last year, it wasn't even a down year, but they got beat twice by Cuyahoga Heights. That doesn't happen. Um, He's got a really good team again this year, and he's got young kids that had to wait their turn. And until last year, they had made, I believe, it was five straight state title games. So last year, they didn't make the state title game. Well, that ain't the end of the world. So you rebound, and this year, guess what? I promise you, when they get their pads on, their goal isn't, Let's win the CVC, or let's you know win week one, or let's do this. It's we got to win the state title. I mean that's just what happens at at Kirtland. I mean period. End of discussion. So yeah, I mean for local teams, it, the the expectations, the talent, the coaching prowess, it doesn't get any better than Tiger Laverde and Kirtland. There's no doubt. I like that you just equated um, head coach of the Browns, president of the United States, and mayor of Kirtland. Um, it's a little bit. It was a little bit of a stretch. So I'm trying, but is it? It's funny because when I think of Kirtland, I sort of look at them the same way that um, you look at like a Mount Union in college. Um, they're smaller, so yeah, they. It's not really fair to compare them. It's apples and oranges to lump them up against like an Ohio State or whatever it is. But there's a reason there's divisions in high school football. It's so that people are on a level playing field. And for their playing field, they are, you know, one of the dominant programs that, yeah, like you said, when they don't, they don't make the state title game for a year and people act like something crazy is going on. Um, it's sort of weird, I think, how rapid that ascent seemed to be. I don't know how quickly it happened, but it sort of seemed like out of nowhere, Kirtland was this this small school powerhouse that, I don't know, just seemed like they popped up overnight. It was pretty quick. Um, I wish I had the numbers or the details in front of me, but I, there was, I saw something once where Tiger in his career at one point was something like 82 and nine or let me just say this. 
I'm not sure in his eight, nine, whatever years he's been there, I'm not sure that he if he's lost double-digit games in his career, I'm not sure it's like more than about 11 or 12. That's how good he's been. And those kids, so, so fellas, if you are at Kirkland, every year for five straight years you played 15 football games. So now it's 75 games in five years. That's the equivalent of seven and a half years and all those practices and all that experience. Um, it, it did really kind of happen. I, you know, overnight, I don't know, because I don't want to discredit Dan Kakura, Pat McKenrick, the, the coaches that were there before him. But what Tiger has figured out, this is without any debate, is he figured out how to keep guys in Kirtland. So, for example, there were a lot of really good late Catholic kids that were Kirtland residents. Now, they're allowed to go to Lake Catholic. This is not a condemnation on private schools or Lake Catholic. Of course you're allowed to go. Tiger has figured a way to boost his youth leagues, uh, to boost that, you know, the, 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 the little Kirtland, you know, hey, you know, come to Kirtland, play in Kirtland, stay in Kirtland kind of thing. Um, you know, you don't need the transfer to get recognized. He's had college recruits. Um, now, I'm not saying every kid born in Kirtland goes to Kirtland High School. I'm sure some of them still go to Lake or or, you know, Ignatius, or I don't know that for sure, but it has been a really impressive run for this guy. And I, to be honest with you, I would put him up. People's obviously, you talk Ohio football, everybody starts with Chuck Kyle, and I'm not going to disparage that man because he is a legend beyond legend. Um, but you want to just talk about, like, overall, regardless of division, some of the best coaches in Ohio. If Tiger Laverty doesn't come up in that conversation, then you got to stop the conversation. All right, so we've talked some of the uh, the premier coaches in the area. Can you kind of kind of give us a few of the uh, players we should be keeping an eye on? Who are some of the guys that are going to be making a big splash this year that could also be uh, showing up on our TV playing on Saturday afternoons next year? Well, that's that's a great question, Tom. I, I would. I mean, we talked about Tadis. You know, at Menor is a big time, big time. Uh, you know, quarterback prospect you look at a kid like Arquan Bush at uh, Euclid who already uh, committed to Cincinnati he's a just a really versatile athlete Um, the Panthers have been to the playoffs the last two years they got a new stadium going in over there where Sparky D was so a lot of really good things going on for coach Roski and his guys I think Colston Brewster I don't know if he's a division one hammer you know I'll see you on Saturday afternoon kind of kid but he's a really good player a really good quarterback so we're going to see what he can do. Um, you know, the, there's, a, there's a kid, a running back at South named Tyler Henderson, who I really like. Um, so, I mean, and when I'm just talking about the area, I could talk about Ignatius and Ed's kids and Hoban kids and Avon kids. They, we got a lot of commits in the area. But, like, right now, if we were just sticking local, I would say those are the names that really pop off the page. Oh, the kid from Chardon, I'm sorry, the linebacker, Chase Klein, who's going to Michigan State. Um, so, listen, there's plenty of names. People open up their papers, see them on, you know, uh, on the highlights, and believe me, down the road you'll see them on Saturdays as well. Is this the year that the uh, – this is 100% uh, self – I'm probably the only person listening that cares about this. Does the streak in the Battle of Painesville end this year? <laughs> oh, you're going to get me in trouble, right? Um <laughs> I'll say this, and I'm not trying to ride the fence or avoid your question. I don't know enough about Harvey. They have a new coach this year. I had him up for Chalk Talk a few weeks ago. We did a CBC preview. Seems like a nice guy. He's very enthusiastic. He likes his crew. 
Um, but Riverside, you know, has been dominant, and Dave Boers is a coach that I respect very much, and I, I, I think, you know, they're they're prepared to have another solid season. So what's going to happen when they play? You, you, you'd like to think that at some point the rivalry gets competitive. Um, it just hasn't been. I mean, there's no reason to say that it has because it hasn't been, you know. So we're – We'll, we'll see. We'll see if Harvey can finally uh, give Riverside a little shot. But right now, I think the Beavers are in control of that rivalry. Yeah, that's right. Go Beavers. <laughs> I believe the uh, Riverside program, another one of the schools getting new turf this year. I've been seeing that popping up on Instagram. It feels like a lot of schools now are, are switching over to the field turf or getting new stadiums entirely. Is that just coincidence or what's going on there? No, I think that's the way it's going. And I'll tell you, the WRC is really – the, the whole look of the WRC is different. North, South, Riverside have always had those natural grass fields. When If you go to cover a game in October, you're just going to get messed and slop, and the, 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 the outcome of the game is influenced by if it rains or it doesn't rain. Now they all have these beautiful fields. They, you know, North redid their bleachers and their press box. South did their press box, I believe, last year or the year before, and they put, you know, did some things with their bleachers. Riverside is doing, you know, their stadium. Um, you know, Mayfield got turf not long ago. So it is – it's just where it's going, guys. I know the old school folks want to say, nah, let them play on grass, let them get muddy and dirty and let them slip and slide. But – Listen, at the end of the day, you want to watch a football game and you want to watch the best of the best really perform, sometimes it's hard. And now these schools, they pass bond issues. You know, they don't have to, you know, kill the public for money. They don't have to take it out of the coffers and the ADs. You don't have to go, like, steal nickels out of the safe. So if you can get it and do it, I mean, listen, you're telling me any kid wouldn't rather play on a beautiful new turf field than, like, stepping four inches in mud in, in the middle of October? And, you know, of course they would. So, yes, that's that's the way it's going. And to be honest, in Northeast Ohio, because of the weather, I'm not sure that I disagree with it. The old school folks, that's fine. You want to see a dirty, muddy game, send your kids into the backyard and let them play on a Saturday, then have them come in and wash out all the clothes and then be happy with it. But on Friday nights, let these kids play on the turf. I mean, they, they enjoy it. And I've had coaches – to be honest with you, tell me that it just it, it, it picks up the community, it picks up the spirits of the kids when they practice, it changes, you know, two-a-days, it changes, you know, you don't have to, like, I saw once, I, true story, guys, before a playoff game, South had to, like, bring in a helicopter to hover over the field and try and dry out the field because they weren't sure if their field was going to be playable before a playoff game. You don't need to do that. So now you have turf, so you don't have to worry about that anymore. So it's just, I... I feel like of all the things that I – listen, I hold some things very sacred, but the whole grass thing, I'm all for, hey, put the turf down let the kids go after it. I will it's, never forget, I think it was about 10 years ago, I was covering a game in week 10 down at Aurora, and it was Aurora and Perry, and the winner of the game was going to be the winner of the CVC, and it was a, a big – interconference rivalry game and the whole nine yards high stakes and just an absolutely torrential downpour and like you said the mud was four inches deep and it was kind of an interesting novelty to watch for about 10 minutes but when you realized nobody was going to be able to move anywhere and it was just going to be a complete quagmire for the next two and a half hours uh that got old fast and it, it really junked up the game it's funny. It's one of those things you always hear when those games occur. People, someone's like, you know, oh yeah, this is football, and then you start watching the game, and guys can't stay on their feet. <laughs> Everyone's falling all over the place. The score's terrible. It's just an awful like 
product it's like well if this is football why the hell am i here because this is this isn't entertaining it's not a good product i i mean if if you can find the money for it it seems kind of like a no-brainer um because i gotta think it's pretty damn expensive to keep those fields up when they're grass anyways yeah definitely bill hey i was going to ask you something else here with the regarding the, the high school football season, was there like a big shakeup in terms of the divisions and like some sort of a realignment this year with the OHSAA? Yes. So what they did guys is um, this competitive balance thing. Um, they, they have different markers and different ways and, and the way they figure it out. And, and it, it basically it, it takes in a lot of consideration on uh, transfers and, and, and some of the, like the, the other economics and community things. Um, and the OHSA figured it out, shuffled it up. They did their thing. It was approved. And so now, yes, so now you have teams for one reason or another, public schools and private. They move up, they move down. So, you know, I don't know exactly, again, not without riding the fence. I just I don't know how I necessarily feel about it. I, I know what they're trying to do. Um, they want to make sure that, you know, if, if such and such private school, don't let them be in Division Four, put them in two, or this – public school, you know, isn't up to par in their division, so drop them down to five or, or, or whatever the case may be. But, yes, to answer your question, there has been a lot of movement, and we'll see how it affects. Um, I just think what happens is there are times, you know, and I'm not sure last year was one, but I know there's been years in the past where all seven Division One football winners are Catholic or, or, excuse me, are private schools. And people just got to a point. What I never want to see happen, and I will absolutely not ride the fence or, or go, I, I never want to see them split it because I've heard that rumor. Oh, we'll just let public schools play in one and the privates in the other. Nobody wants that. Trivisano at Menor would never want that. What if you won a, a state title for the first time in, in a public school-only tournament and Ignatius and Eds were somewhere else? Like, you don't want that. Listen, if you're a competitor, go out and compete. Now, do you think it's fair that they can go grab kids from, you know, Westlake, Avon, Menor, Painesville, Ashtabula County, Pennsylvania? Where? Well, listen, Triv has always been a big believer in if we're not good enough to beat them, then we'll just take our helmets off and go home. Like, but we want to play them. It's why his opening three games are at Maslin, St. Ignatius, and Glenville. And he's not the only one. I don't want to make this a, Triv- a Steve Trevisano thing. I'm just trying to give you an example that – so the competitive balance is trying to kind of even the playing field. Will it? Um, it may help, but I think at the end of the day, you're still going to see the usual suspects regardless of division. I really believe that. Are they committed to doing this? I mean, the state, are they committed to doing this for a few years just to kind of see how it goes? Yes. I, 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 I'm, I believe, and boy, I don't want you guys to get nasty emails on the podcast. I think it's a two-year <laughs> deal and then they're going to figure it out after two years. I can't imagine they'd go through all this work and all the mathematics and all the yada, 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 and then after a year go, okay, we'll go back. You know what I mean? So I, I think it's a two-year deal, and then they'll reevaluate. Um, but obviously they had enough ADs or principals or whoever had a vote on this to say, hey, let's at least give it a shot. You know what I mean? So that's what they're going to try and do this year. I don't think you have to worry about us getting any hate mail. I've been called far worse in uh, my time. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Any other big storylines we need to know about with the high school season? No, you know, guys, I think we've hit on most of them. I mean, listen, if we did this again in mid season or two weeks from now, I could tell you, Hey, this team is playing such and such. 
I, I'm not going to sit here and try and trick your audience. Into, like, I can't tell you. I mean, I cover my six teams. I try and pay attention to the area. Um, you know, what's going on? Like I said, we have the big schools. I think tonight Ignatius and Hoban are playing, so I don't know the result of that football game. Uh, I think Parma's playing somebody. Obviously, Parma's not necessarily on that radar thing, but what I'm getting at is, is it opens tonight, Thursday the 24th. Tomorrow it gets really going in full-fledged. Um, but right now I just think that the storylines are just watch those big teams. Watch the Ignatiuses and the Eds and the Menors of the world. You know, Chardon, Perry, NDCL were deep playoff teams last year. See what they do. Uh, Kirtland, can they bounce back? I mean, they missed a state game last year for the first time in five years. It wasn't the end of the world. Let's see what they do. So I think that's kind of where we're at right now with all that. All right. We, uh, if you can hang around for a few minutes, we could uh, maybe kind of go around the horn a little bit on some of the other uh, sports headlines and whatnot. But before we get into that, I, I know you said your show, Chalk Talk, is uh, always at the Hooli House. Um, can you kind of lay out for us just where people can catch you when, and if they can't make it to Hooli, they're missing out on the Hooli hunks for starters, but if they cannot make it to Hooli house, uh, where else can they listen, um, to, to your show? Yeah, no, I appreciate it, Tom, very much. Um, yeah, no, so on Monday nights, every Monday at seven o'clock, we're at Hooli house in Menor, which is right at the corner of 306 and Tyler. Um, on Tuesdays, we're in, uh, Westlake in Brooklyn. I'm in Brooklyn. I have a crew that helps me out in Westlake. Um, uh, you know, you can catch us out there. We try and, you know, cover the west side areas out at those two locations. Uh, if you're not able to go, we do have options now, whereas we didn't before, um, which is not a knock on KNR2. It just didn't work out. You know, obviously they got to answer to people in Bristol. So, um, but now we can, we have a SoundCloud. We have Facebook. Uh, I usually put the link on Twitter. Um, we, uh, and there's a couple other things, but anyways, I mean, you can, you can find it if you go, Facebook's usually the easiest, oh, YouTube. And, and actually my tech guy, Mike Clark does a great job. He, he has figured out a way to not only put the, 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 the podcast on, but he puts graphics and pictures and he's going to have highlights of the game kind of playing behind the sound. So YouTube is another way. So we, we have options and hopefully, you know, people get on board and they'll want to listen and, and, you know, the whole thing is, and I'm not trying to be a martyr, it's not really, you know, I, I hear my own voice every day. I don't need to hear it for two hours. I do it because I want to hear what these kids and these coaches have to say, and usually it's a pretty good conversation. Well, we like to hear what you have to say too, Bill. So thank you for joining <laughs> us here for this. This has been fun. I, I, that's complete horse whatever, but, you know, I'll listen. <laughs> oh, you can call it horse shit. We, uh, we don't have any well, restrictions here. On the internet, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got you. I got you. Yeah, we'll we'll post a link on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the nail podcast to help people get pointed in the right direction uh to find your stuff. But uh, you know, we've also had a lot of other stuff going on. Tribe Browns, Cavs. Um what what's on your mind? What's grinding your gears? Well, what's grinding my gears? What it that's a dangerous thing. You give me a, a an open mic in that question. Uh but no, I actually I'll wrap it up with you on this, guys. Um, here's what's grinding my gears. Uh, the Indians, I'm, I'm such a Tribe fan. I was so enthralled with them and their run last year. And I know, to be honest, they're probably third on most people's minds because of the starting quarterback with the Browns and because of what happened with Kyrie. And I'll tell you, I'm kind of just, I'm just looking at the, the Indians, and I, I, I really believe this. And I am such a glass-half-empty guy that it'd be shocking to hear anybody think that I really mean this, but I do. I just want to see them get healthy. If they get healthy, 
I honestly believe that they can not only go back to where they were last year, they can go past last year and maybe win that seventh game or just, you know, take a title. I, I understand that the Dodgers are historically good. I get that in the American League that the Astros and the Red Sox are really good. I just feel like if they can get healthy, here, it, it, it's, but look, it's the line from Hoosiers, right, guys? My team's on the floor. If we can get healthy, my team's on the field. My team's on the diamond. Come on, come on, come on, get some. If you can give me my pitching staff and the beast, I call Andrew Miller the beast because I don't know how other, other way you'd describe him. Give me my lineup pretty much one through nine, I'm in. So that's on my mind. The Kyrie thing, I think, has been kind of beaten to death, and I'm sure you guys would do a much better job talking about it than me. I will just say this. I think it's unfortunate that a kid who had that at his disposal after three miserable years languishing in you never made the playoffs, you're losing 26 games a year, and then to do everything he did, he had a shoe contract, he shot more shots, he scored more points, and then his thing was, well, I just don't want to be second fiddle. Well, you know, I don't know, we're not all wired the same way, but that's the way he's wired, so guess what? He gets to go be the guy in Boston. Here, here's my takeaway, guys, and then I'll close in and let you guys do your show. I will just say this. I, he can go to Boston and be the guy. In my personal opinion, I don't think Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, and Al Horford are good enough to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers in seven games, period, end of discussion. So he can go there and be the guy, score 31, score 35, hope he wins the MVP. He ain't getting out of the Eastern Conference. Until LeBron James leaves the Cleveland Cavaliers, in my personal opinion, the Boston Celtics are not good enough to beat the Cavs. That's just the way I feel. And that's kind of my rant on the two pro teams. The Browns I don't talk about a lot because uh, it's not my thing. Oh, you fit in perfectly there. <laughs> I, I just, I'm sorry. This idea of sitting and talking about Osweiler or Kaiser or Kessler, you know, who, who's going to be the outside linebacker or Tank Carter tore up his knee. I just, listen, and I understand it's a Browns town, and I'm sure it drives hits and what have you on the Internet, but it just ain't my thing. So there's my two takes on the two pro teams real quick. Yeah, it's funny you actually mentioned the Indians. I was thinking today, you know, they've been playing really well lately, won a lot of games, and they put up a graphic today of what the uh, what the DL likes for the looks like for the Indians right now, and it's it's insane how well. I mean, they've lost a couple games here last couple nights, but overall, the injuries they've had, the fact that they're in the position that they're in is pretty incredible. Um, you got to is- think if they can get a handful of those guys back, like. Uh, you know, Brantley Chisinau is obviously having probably the best year of his career. Miller's a huge, huge deal. And, you know, a couple other guys, Kipnis obviously just went back on the DL. All these guys that, you know, have been up and down and sort of all over the place. It's getting a little bit late in the season to say, hey, if these guys can get healthy and get everybody, you know, on the field, because you'd like to see that be the case by now. But it, it's hard not to look at that DL and be like, all right, we're we should be in good shape if everybody can get healthy again. It's about what eight or nine guys on the disabled list right now for the Indians. I want to say I want to say I saw seven on the thing today, but it might be higher than that. That's that's guys, insane. And all I'm trying to say is this: I don't need them all healthy. Okay, we had our second and third best pitchers last year on the DL, and we almost damn near won the World Series. Yeah, but I don't want I don't I don't want to truck for that again. No, no, right, and that's what I'm saying is like I don't want to make excuses. But holy, crying out loud, you can't – There's no. I, I love when people go, well, injuries are part of the game. Yes, they are. Not nine regular players. That's not part of the game. That's bad luck. So give me, you know, uh, Kipnis, Brantley, Chisenhall, 
Santana. That's four opening day starters gone, okay? Give me back Salazar, who was pitching really good all of a sudden. Andrew Miller is undoubtedly the best relief pitcher in baseball. You can argue any which way you want. I ain't going to listen to it. So if you're I arguing mean, that, you didn't watch the playoffs last year. Um, so there's six. Six. We're not talking about like it's bad luck you lost this guy or that guy. Six guys. You give me back five of those six, depending on who the five are, and I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I will tell you guys this right now. I will go – I will fly on a plane to Los Angeles and tell anybody in Dodgers parking lot, come get it. I, I, listen, give me my guys, because I'll take Kluber. I, I get how good Clayton Kershaw is. I ain't stupid. I understand it. And I understand that they are historically good, and Bellinger and all those kids out there. Listen, the Dodgers are great, and they got to get through the NL. they got to get through the Cubs and whoever else, the Nationals. But I'm telling you, you give me the Indians with a semi-full roster, and it's – it's like the line from what the Ben Affleck movie. I think it was Gone Girl. Like, who's driving? Like, the guy doesn't even ask what the problem is. He just goes, "I don't need to know what's going. On. Who's driving? I'm in." You know what I mean? That that's that's kind of my line. Like, who's driving? You, you want you want to play? You want to play in L.A.? You want to play in Cleveland? You want to play on a Tuesday? You want to play on a Saturday afternoon? I, who's driving? Let's go. And that's what I think the Indians are doing right now. And you make a great point, by the way, Travis. Like, they're, they're playing through nonsense and they're still maintaining you know what i mean like yeah are they going to lose two or three games here and there sure they are they got they're dinged up all over but you know tonight they're pitching uh chris sale is supposedly going to win the al cy young over Corey kluber and i know this isn't live guys but i'm saying they're up 10 to 4 they got 10 runs off of chris sale ain't too many teams in the al 10 runs off chris sale right so i feel like we're not that far away get me grind it through september Get me into October. Give me some of my guys back, and let's go. Yeah, Kluber actually overtook the uh, the ERA uh, lead in the league today. Um, I think they put up seven seven of these runs around sale. He didn't even make it out of the fourth. I want to just say for the record with the Dodgers, I'm not sweating them at all. That team gecks in the playoffs every single year that they're in. And then this week they got put on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And the next night they had a pitcher take a no-hitter into the 10th inning and lose. So the uh, the whammy has been firmly placed upon their forehead. Um, so, I, I, I yeah, if, if, if that's what's standing between the Indians and the World Series uh, title, I'm, I'm not losing any sleep. There you go. All right, guys, listen, uh, I appreciate you having me on. Um, I hate to, to, to run on you, but uh, thanks so much. It was, this was a blast. I could do this for hours and hours, but uh, I actually have to have to cut on you. So I appreciate it, and um, please, if, if, if it went well tonight, have me on again. Let's talk some more, okay? Sounds sure. good, Bill. Thank you so appreciate much. It, Thank you, guys. Appreciate it, man. Take care. All right, Trav, that was fun. That was good. Man, he's fired up about everything i love it wind him up and watch him go i love it he just uh... just gets going man (laughs) good stuff no yeah that was good yeah anything else on your mind before we close up shop um no i don't think so we already we already did the the Kyrie episode um yeah i i will say you know i've been kind of reading some of the national stuff and it's been nice for once i feel like the Cavs pr must be saying the right things to the right people because um, in the past, it feels like people have always looked for reasons to take shots at what the Cavs are doing, and this is the one instance where I feel like they're getting an awful lot of praise for absolutely nailing 
a bad situation and making the most of it. And it seems like they're getting a lot of compliments for the haul that they got in return. Yeah, and I think that's what we sort of said. We was, did. We you know, did. we don't we don't want to lose Kyrie, but if you got to get rid of them, they did pretty damn well. They got a pretty good haul for it. Yeah, I'm still convinced that uh, the 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 other shoe is not dropped, and we're still going to see some more moves. And I was even hearing some whispers today that we might not see uh, Boston be done dealing yet either. And I heard some rumor that uh, Clay Thompson might be linked to the Celtics, uh, given his contract situation and some other things. But something to keep an eye on. I, yeah, the the NBA man is just never boring. It is officially a 12 month a year league now. I think. All right, I'll ask you. What would you think of that? What Clay to the Clay, Celtics? Clay in Boston. How it much does would, how much does that? Uh, personally, I love it because it drastically weakens Golden State. Um, that's the so, thing is it's going to really depend for me on but, what are the other pieces involved to balance that out. Because Boston's yeah, I mean, already turned over their team quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, I mean a lot. Do you, I guess he, it's yeah, it's hard to look at and judge it without knowing what they'd be given up, but. Um, like that feels like I, I'm not sure Clay Thompson puts Boston over the top all of a sudden. Um, no. so from that standpoint, you gotta like it, right? Yeah, I would, I would think so. Again, I mean, it's going to all depend if that, if that does come to fruition and again, let's just take it for what it's worth. It's a rumor and there's a million of those flying around at this time of the year, but there was something interesting. Um, so something to keep an eye on, I guess. Only other thing I wanted to clean up from the last episode, I think I had made mention of something with that Nets pick that I think the Nets are going to be better this year. And I said that, I threw that out casually, just on the remembering that they had brought in some guys. I went yeah, back I after Waver- with you. Yeah, I was going to say, I went back and, <laughs> and read that, uh, read through their roster uh, after we got done recording, and I would like a mea culpa because they are going to absolutely suck. Yeah, I think they were. They had the lowest. Uh, they had the lowest win total in Vegas by I think like ten games. Like no one else was close. Their win total I think was at like twenty. And then I saw like a couple um, like projections. You know the the computer systems or whatever that that project how many games a team will win. Um, and they were floating around like fifteen. They're going to yeah, be I, fucking I, terrible. I'd forgotten they got they traded away Brooke Lopez, and they now have Timo Mozgov at center for them this year. So uh, unless uh, Timo's favorite waitress from the Brew Garden is making the trip to Brooklyn, I, I don't <laughs> like the Nets' odds of getting the most out of him. Yeah, not Brooklyn, Ohio. <laughs> no, sadly not. Poor Timo. Uh, okay. All right. I think I think we should uh, shut it down. I'm I'm I've seen enough. I've heard enough. I, I think this has been good. There you go. Do it. Well, hey, uh, if this is your first time checking out our show, we hope you like what you heard. Go subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Stitcher. You can listen to all of our previous episodes on our website, thenailpodcast.com. And go like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the nail podcast. We're going to put up a link to Bill's show, uh, Varsity Chalk Talk. And uh, we'll, we'll have that on our Facebook page. So you can go check out uh, everything that Bill's doing with that. It's uh, a lot of fun. Uh, so go check that out. Uh, thanks again to Bill Tilton for joining us. And uh, Trav, thank you for uh, making the time this week to do two of these episodes. This was uh, a rare occasion for us, but it was uh, it was needed and it was fun. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. Good times. Good stuff to talk about. Not necessarily the most fun stuff, but uh, yeah, lot, enjoyed it. Good stuff. A lot more fun tonight than uh, than talking about Kyrie getting traded away. No question. And next week we get to talk college football. Yes, Buckeye time. It's uh, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So until then, uh, for Travis Julie, I'm Tom Valentino. It's been the nail in the coffin, and we will talk to you again soon. Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at Pit Pass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast.